0: Welcome to Dialogue. Three months into 2023, some old foes have renounced their animosity and amending ties, while others are still locked in a tense tug of war. With China brokered peace deal that resumed ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia, could we see a new order in the Middle East? Could the visits of multiple heads of state start peace talks between Russia and Ukraine? And will the competition between China and the United States further intensify? To help us answer these questions and more, I'm glad to sit down with Martin Jakes, author of When China Rules the World. That's our topic. I'm Xu Qingduo. Welcome to Dialogue, Martin. You know, we are seeing this, um, you know, even say, global economy. Uh, we have this banking crisis Well, the inflation remains high in the U.S. and uh, in the European countries. So in that you know, uh, respect, uh, if China's economy uh, grows at around 5% in 2023, what does it mean to the global economy?
1: Well, if, if China grows, which I think it will, I mean, I, I think that that is a, a, a conservative figure. For growth, I, I would imagine the thought in the back of the mind is we c- we might be able to do six percent or something like that. But never mind, five percent is good. Um, and I think that uh, uh, if China grows at five percent ish, then that's certainly good news uh, for the global economy. But the outlook in for the Western economies is, uh, I think. Uh, a bit, the outlook is a bit cloudy because of the banking situation Um, and we don't know how that's going to end. I mean initially people you know a lot of Western commentators were saying oh well you know uh, uh, it won't be like 2008 well of course it won't be like 2008 because it's very unusual to exactly replicate a previous crisis but uh, what is not factored into that kind of um, uh, wishful thinking is: what are the consequences of bumping up interest rates with this speed after so long them being very very low? I mean, they were artificially low to keep the Western economies uh, uh, going, and also they were they were in addition a serious aggravator of inequality in Western societies. So that's another thing to take into account.
0: Mm-hmm or in addition to this um, uncertainty in the economic prospects. Also, we have uh, the Ukraine crisis continue uh, to develop over there. And um, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping paid a visit to Russia and beyond bilateral relationship, they talked about uh, a peace prospect based on the Chinese uh, 12-point position paper. Some people would call it like a peace initiative uh, over there. Putin said, It's acceptable for Russia. Russia supports the idea, but it's up to the West. Um, And then we have the uh, leaders from European countries, for example, uh, French President Macron and uh, President of the EU Commission, Van der Leyen, are coming to China. Obviously, uh, people say the priority for them is to talk about the possible role uh, that could be played by China uh, in the Ukraine crisis. What do you make of it?
1: Well, I think that there has been speculation about China playing a role in the West before. I mean, immediately after uh, the the Russian action, um, there was uh, thought, it was was around, a speculation that maybe China could play a role, but nothing came of it, and uh, and, and it faded away. Um, And now it's come up again. Um, and I think that probably it's the, the, the credibility of such an idea is now at its height in this period. Uh, now by saying it's at its height, I don't mean that this is likely to happen, but it is now a more serious thought than it was, it, it was before. Um, I think one of the most interesting reactions in this context was Zelensky's reaction. Because uh, one might have expected him to be very critical of the talks and so on. Well, obviously he's very critical of Putin. But he very carefully did not criticize China. Uh, And I assume the thinking behind that was twofold. One, he knows that China could be very important To any ceasefire, because if anyone is going to uh, to persuade Putin uh, to have a ceasefire, China is easily the strongest candidate to be able to do that. And secondly, I think Zelensky's calculation is that when we have to, whenever reconstruction comes along, then China is going to be or could be very important. And of course, the two countries had. Uh, various economic agreements uh, were still in place but before the war started so I don't think it's I don't think the idea is preposterous Um, the difficulty is uh, the proximity of China to Russia in the sense that it's not regarded as neutral neutral in this situation Uh, it's it's, uh, it's at home tended to favor a a Russian-style interpretation of the war and so on. So that that is always brought up in the West, you know, well, well, really, they mean this or they mean that. But actually, I think in general, China's been tried very hard not to be interpreted like that. And I think it's managed to do that with some success.
0: But interestingly, if you look at the US response, right, even before, uh, presidency arrived in Moscow, they say a ceasefire is not acceptable. What's their true stance? You know why they are. What's the peace plan from Washington, or what's the plan from Washington for
1: the crisis? Well, I think that um, actually America has been very opportunistic uh, in relationship to the to the situation. It's it saw. Uh, uh, Russia's action in Ukraine as a possibility uh, offering a possibility for um Amer- American intervention and west becoming western intervention and driving uh the, the two closer together and giving Russia a hard time maybe even uh, although I think this is all this is uh, uh, always extremely unlikely of getting rid of Putin, although that's what they always want to do. Uh, so I, I, think, I, I think that um, so far the war has been definitely in America's interests. Definitely. And America, you know, the truth of the matter is, despite Iraq and everything else, America does like intervening in, in these, you know, it's part of what they think they're about. So I, 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 I think that. Uh, uh, strategically, the Americans will feel you know, they've played a relatively good hand well during this. Now, there is one rider to that, and that is um, the war is not over, so the outcome is still unclear. And the global south, in other words, the countries that represent most of the world's population, Um, have taken more or less a similar position to China, not joining sanctions, uh, 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 not supporting the American action. Sometimes they have, but they've not imposed sanctions and so on. So, so, um, uh, what, what the war has done to the Americans' disadvantage is to redraw or draw again the global map in a way where Europe and the West, Europe and the United States, are visibly a smaller part of the world than they were before. That this is seen as in mainly regional terms, not in global terms, which is certainly the attitude of the global South. That is very important, I
0: think. Mm-hmm. Well, previously we talked about the European leaders are coming into China, you know, hoping China could play. Uh, some kind of a role in ending the crisis. Do you think the European views and the Americans are identical in terms of uh, what China can do?
1: My guess is that Europe is a little bit more uh, inclined to think China might have a role and if it Did have a role that would be a good thing. I think that would be the thinking, and the reason that that for that is because the cost of this war has been great for Europe. The Americans, you know, I mean, the Americans are not involved, apart from supplying armaments and so on. They're not. They're not. They're not. uh, It's not on their doorstep. You know. Oil and gas, they don't need it anymore in the way that they used to do, so on. So whereas Europe's having to pay through the nose, you know, for a much higher gas and oil prices and so on. So Europe's been hurt by, uh, economically uh, by the war in a way that the United States has not. So they have a stronger interest in bringing this war to an end on terms that they can go along with than. United States, so there is a potential division there.
0: Speaker of uh, you know the role of China uh, around the world. Um, a recent case is uh, Saudi Arabia uh, agreement brokered by Beijing. You know uh, Beijing has managed to bring the two rivals uh, to see eye to eye in terms of their future relationship or restoration of their diplomatic relationship. You know, many people have comments on that. Many people are looking forward to a new, like a rising uh, superpower, which acts differently from the U.S. Um, What's your opinion on that?
1: Well, I think this is an extraordinary diplomatic coup, actually, by China, uh, because there was really relatively little anticipation of a breakthrough like this. Uh, I mean, you know, the Middle East has for long been thought of, you know, as the region where Disputes ne- are never resolved. They just go on and on and on. Um, and so, suddenly, uh, you know, in a, a region where China has been active, but in no way has been particularly prominent or featured in any major way, suddenly brokers a deal between. The two, in some ways, the two most important powers in the region, which have been uh, absolute loggerheads for so long. And, you know, that has the complications like the Yemen and, and uh, Lebanon and so on as well. So, this was an extraordinary breakthrough, I think. And it's one in America's, historically speaking, backyard. It's not close to America, but America regarded it to be one of it, its most important regions. Um, and America, of course, could never have achieved anything like this. I mean, it, refu- it regards Iran to be, you know, the sworn enemy and has done for ever since Reagan and before. And Saudi Arabia, its relationship with Saudi Arabia, have co- of course, has been becoming a bit more distant than the, the intimacy that used to characterize that relationship. So this is an extraordinary achievement by China. And I think it sends a message to the world. Well, what message it sends? It sends a message that China really matters it's got a capacity for influencing and uh, for uh, uh, shaping agreements in different parts of the world, not just in East Asia but in the Middle East Um, it tells them that China has an interest in peace and conciliation, particularly in the developing world so I think this this is a it's a terrific uh, achievement by China, actually. Mm.
0: Let's have a short break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Well, you know, basically everything around the world has something to do with um, nowadays, you know, with the United States or China because they are the two largest economies and their relationship is also the focus for many world leaders in terms of the future, you know, we're talking about uncertain world, uh, uncertainty. Uh, One of the, I would say, very controversial issue is about the Taiwan uh, issue. Uh, Recently we have um, uh, Honduras switched recognition from Taipei to Beijing. Uh, The latest case uh, of countries choosing to follow the one-China principle and uh, having this is formal relationship with, 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 with Beijing. What does that mean, you know, to... U.S. has basically, before that, paid uh, a visit by a senior official to persuade that country to stick uh, to their relationship with Taipei, but they failed. Mm. What does that mean? to China u s relationship or you know of course the Taiwan issue uh, in terms of a future uh, future reunification, for example
1: well, I, I think that each instance like the Honduras uh, uh, helps to um, isolate Taiwan uh, on the question of one China uh, policy i don 't think it's in itself strong enough to change the dynamics of the relationship between the U.S. and China over Taiwan. I think this is a, you know, if you look, if, you, if one thinks about it, um, the question, any deterioration, serious deterioration in the relationship between uh, China and the U.S was going to uh, damage their understanding on on over taiwan it, it it was the the agreement that was most potentially um, uh, 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 open to uh, a shift of position by in this case the united states so uh, uh, this is going to be yeah, you know, I think this one's going to be uh, a long-lasting problem that isn't resolved because uh, China's position is absolutely crystal clear. America sees it as with the mood in America now, you know, defend Taiwan and, and until there's an understanding between the two countries of a different kind then the Taiwan situation is going to be a, a, a hot button issue.
0: Well, uh, we say Taiwan is a key, one of the key issues like uh, between China and the United States. Uh, you know, Washington has a one China policy, um, they say, uh, which is different from the one China principle. At the same time, they do maintain this, um, uh, this uh, relationship, this unofficial relationship with Taiwan. Um, previously, they called that kind of practice a uh, vague uh, you know, policy on Taiwan. But now, it's becoming more and more like clearer. They are you know, not really abandoning One China, but they are supporting Taiwan uh, more publicly with um, uh, arms sale, uh, with a senior official visit like uh, Nancy Pelosi in Taiwan. Obviously, that will create some problem uh, between China and, and the United States.
1: I can't see uh, the Taiwan situation improving uh, while the relationship between China and the United States is deteriorating all the time because that's the reality of the situation, I think. And uh, I don't see this being you know, sorted out within uh, a short period because... You know, the genie is out of the bottle now and the genie is that america is worried is feels threatened by the rise of china and it cannot let go of the idea that it is number 1 in the world it is it's god given right to be number one in the world number one in the world it is its dna to be number one in the world and we can see now very clearly how deeply held that position is now of course circumstances will conspire at some point or another to bring that to an end, to change it. That's not forever, unless we're all blown up in a nuclear war, but that will not last forever. Circumstances will change. I think at some point America will see the value of engagement as opposed to containment. I mean, the the New York Times editorial board leader was a very important statement and strong statement. Against Biden's foreign policy, which is now a bipartisan foreign policy, saying containment is not in our interests, American interests, nor is it in China's interests, and so on. You know, that would be that. That statement is a basis for a different relationship. But that is still, uh, relatively speaking, in America, a voice in the wilderness, because both parties. You know, you could see how uh, the TikTok congressional hearing went, you know, which was kind of, you know, I mean it was bear garden stuff you know, I mean it wasn't it was completely undignified and disrespectful Uh, an exercise in sort of subdued mass hysteria you know Uh, and I think that tells us a lot about the mood in America to be honest with you and um, and I don't I just don't see that changing. So the main thing, being realistic but not what I would like to be able to say, being realistic, the most that we can say on Taiwan and it is important, is that somehow or other there is an understanding between the two countries that makes sure there is no accident that goes badly wrong. You know we don't want to. A sort of air balloon type situation in, you know, in the Taiwan Straits, because at the moment it seems to me the relationship is in relatively speaking free fall. That I think that can be brought. I think that can be sorted out. I think there can be an understanding for you know between the two governments, etc., to prevent that happening. In other words, to prevent you know uh, a Cuban missile crisis that goes hu- fatally wrong, uh, which was the great credit of Kennedy and uh, Khrushchev, didn't happen. Uh, so, so I think that's unfortunately that's the most we can hope for.
0: Well, uh, you mentioned the containment. You know, some people would say the U.S. is launching a new cold war against China, and uh, there's talk of like um, possible. Uh, New policies or bills, you know, basically preventing or investigating U.S. investment in China. Um, well, currently the relationship in terms of trade and uh, at least trade remains strong. Yeah. Um, but um, do you think the U.S. containment policy will succeed, uh, given the fact that China is the largest trading partner of more than like 130 economies around the world?
1: The essence of the question is. How far can decoupling go? I think that's the big question. Um, and uh, I think it would be very, very difficult to decouple to a situation which resembled, you know, the old last Cold War when there was virtually no serious economic contact between the United States and the Soviet Union. Uh, I think that's, I think that's. That kind of um, ambition is for the birds, really. I mean, d- you know, take Apple, for example, which is, you know, one of America's biggest companies. Um, and it's hugely invested in America. And and, uh, and Tim Cook has spent a lot of time personally sorting out the supply lines and so on. Um, and it would be very difficult to unwind that. Uh, in the long run, debt alone impossible in the short run except a in a marginal way, sure you know you can put some stuff in India, you can put some stuff in Vietnam but we 're talking on a huge much bigger scale from that so that would that would be you know those kind of problems that 's just one obvious example that 's a kind of headline verse, uh, example but that 's repeated in lots of ways through the American economy, so I think it would be difficult but um, you know, there will be a chip, chip, chipping away of the relationship, I think. Um, and pressure being put on, um, companies. I mean, pressure's been put on Apple, uh, yes. uh, to, 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 to pull out. Um, it's, it's, it's a very depressing picture, you know, that, but it's, that, that Biden has gone, along the same route as Trump. Less bombastic, less showbiz, but in some ways, you know, worse. Worse. He's got a strategy, and the strategy is containment. Trump had a plan for making life difficult for China. You know, uh, trade war, tech war. Um, but, But this is a really... This is a a carefully calculated strategic attempt to make life much more difficult for China. I don't believe it's going to succeed. I think it will fail. Um, It will fail in its own terms, for example, on on the chip war. Yeah, it's going to make things very difficult for China, but do you seriously think that China's not going to be able to make chips Given enough time? No, nonsense. Of course they're going to do it. Look at all the other things they've done. So they're certainly going to conquer the chip. So the idea that chipless China, you know, uh, chipless, chi- 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 chipless of, of anything with any fragment of American information in it is going to succeed in bringing China to its knees, you yeah, know, that's fantasy land.
0: Then I'm thinking about the effects on the... Uh international community in terms of the relationship between the two most powerful countries, in a sense. uh, You know, we have globalization because we believe globalization is the organic development based on the market principles and also the um, allocation or best allocation of resources. So you can pick up a pieces from one country and produce in another country, and then sell in the third country. Everybody benefits from this whole process. But now we are, some say, in the process of deglobalization or retreat of globalization. Everything is getting more expensive. Probably economy will slow. Every country will suffer actually from this process. Is that the case?
1: Globalization, uh, the momentum, In the broad sweep of things has come to an end and it's beginning to uh, be unravelling a bit. Um, We don't know how much, Um, it doesn't mean the end of globalization, it just means the end of this era of globalization which has been based for example centrally on the relationship between the United States and China, not least economically. Um, but it's not the end of globalization, it'll continue for example, China's certainly going to continue its own path of globalization Um, uh, Belt and Road and all the other examples of that will ensure that anyway China's a much bigger trading nation than the United States is with a much larger number of trading partners so I think that will will continue Um, but that will obviously be different from it being a global, a global phenomenon in the way that it has been.
0: Well, thank you, Martin. Thank you for speaking with us. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. With that, we come to the end of today's discussion. Many thanks to Martin Jakes. You can also find us on the CGTN app on YouTube. I'm Qingduo. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time.